0: Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the GoPro Fusion, this 360 camera that GoPros recently come out with. I think um, I think it won the CES 2018 uh, product of the year, something like that. But uh, I think that was kind of when it was introduced uh and then now I think it's just come out in mid-April or so, and we're probably some of the first people, of course, everybody on the internet's probably seen one, but um, we're probably some of the first people to have one and to try and go out and produce a, 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 a useful portfolio of images with it. So it was really cool trying to go through that process this weekend. But Marina, what did you think of the GoPro Fusion 360?
1: I loved it. It makes beautiful video. It's cool. It's a two-sided camera, I guess. It records yeah. 180 on both, on both lenses. And, uh, and then it's stitched together, and it uh, makes really beautiful, very clear video or yeah. photos.
0: GoPro has really been uh, been useful and, and well-known for their ability to to kind of push the video a little bit, make it really contrasty and colorful in the way that you would want to see it. And it's also been uh, kind of early on, even in the HD videos, of making it look crisp and clear in the way that the sensor would record it. It's, it's kind of not all sensors are created equal. And even though there's a lot of action cameras out there, even, you know, action cameras we bought in the past.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: Some of them aren't really that good, or the lensing isn't that good, or I don't know, it looks purple or something like that. But the color accuracy was really impressive. And what you really see in this GoPro Fusion is that it's state of the art. It really feels like it's a it's a, a modern tool. I mean, it records in 5.2K um, in, in the raw file format. And uh, as a 360 camera, you know, that's, that's a specialized type of video. It doesn't do a, 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 a rectangle-shaped video option. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a specialized piece of video recording for kind of immersive, immersive VR um, virtualizations. But it's really interesting if you're a content creator and you're interested in creating uh, VR content or um, I don't know what else it would be, but... Um, but yeah, 360 equirectilinear images for, uh, for any kind of product or service out there for, uh, for any type of the more modern 2018 and beyond immersive experiences that you're going to be building with VR. I think it was really cool to try and get in, in uh, and check out some of the ways that you can do um, moving video now. That's a really fascinating part about the, the digital gimbal. It's not, it's not a material tool like on the handset for a gimbal. That was really, was really interesting. Have you noticed that? So you know, like over the last couple of years, right, the gimbal system is, is a battery operated tool that you carry with you that, that auto adjusts.
1: Right. You've um, seen that. Yeah. And yeah. this is
0: not that. This is just a handle, but it's a digital gimbal. And that's what's fascinating about it is that it's a digital gimbal. So you take steps and that you don't see the, the process of taking those steps. So that was really interesting, right?
1: Yeah. The stabilization is great in this camera.
0: The full stabilization system was really interesting in the way that uh, it really frees you up to be able to uh, to shoot video and to walk through it in an immersive way without having to be, uh, I guess, subject to the access change of the camera by the person who recorded it. And that's where you really get out of the system where you had to have just stationary video so that uh, you didn't have a change in the frame of reference that you had. And this gimbal system really controls that quite nicely. So we did a bunch of walking videos. And going back through and looking at it, it's really immersive and really interesting to see. And I think this is the first time that you've been able to do that for a sub-$1,000 price range uh, outside of some of the maybe the more professional types of rendering systems that would have existed uh, prior to this. So it's really exciting stuff, but I'm really glad we got to uh, check out the GoPro Fusion 360. Thanks, Marina, for doing a big weekend with me.
1: Yeah, it was so worth it. It was a ton of fun.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely talk about more of this review later in the week on this You can see more of my work at billynewmanphoto.com. You can check out some of my photo books on Amazon. I think you can look up uh, Billy Newman under the authors section there and see uh, some of the photo books on film, on the desert, on surrealism, on camping. Some cool stuff over there. Oh, yeah. There's been so many discoveries since last time we were. Gravitational waves have been verified. They've been right. projected before, but now they've been verified, I guess, I suppose. They say the math is strong. I'll let the scientific community vet that all. But uh, but yeah, they say that they found, uh, what was it, like a 26 and a, or excuse me, a tw- I think it was a, a 26 and a 34 solar mass black hole orbiting each other, came closer and closer, kind of spiraling in on their same like point. And then they finally merge together when the two giant black holes, a solar mass like we talked about before, is the size of our sun. So one sun around Earth is one solar mass. So these black holes were each 30 solar masses. So 30 times more massive than the mass of the sun. And these two black holes spiraled in at each other. And it's at this rate, I think predicted in Einstein's theory of special relativity, where uh, it, kind of, it kind of matches a pattern of how gravitational bodies will orbit around each other, and then collide with each other, and so when these two bodies collided with each other, there was an. Ex- I think there was. If you think of E equals MC squared as energy equals mass times the velocity of light squared, then what that would mean is that when mass is accelerated to a certain point, it turns into energy. Um, that's what happened in this event. These two thirty solar mass black holes collided with each other it released three solar masses that's three times the whole mass of our sun from mass into energy out into space and uh, i think this is one of like the largest or the most energetic events that we've been able to record in cosmology
1: pretty <laughs> big event yeah
0: well yeah or um not not in priority but in amount of energy that's exchanged at a single point that's verifiable. Right. And so that's I think what the type of thing that this uh, this type of observ- observatory was looking for was something to collect these gravitational waves. So it's a really cool story. They've kind of figured that out. Um, I think that was back in September that they made the observations, and then now, in what was it, early Feb or mid February? That's when they kind of announced it. Probably won't make a lot of changes for any daily use, but it will change a lot of the astronomical. Well, I'd say like part of the study of astronomy going forward in the next 50 or 75 to 100 years, you know, is because now we can make uh, gravitational telescopes. We can make these tools that are able to observe gravity waves out in space. And this is just the first time that we've done it. This was an observation of one of the most st- strong signals or strong events that we'd be able to gravitationally pick up and so now from here over the next several generations of this this technology they're going to be able to refine it so much more that they're going to be able to pick up much more subtle gravitational waves and once they're able to do this or once they're able to let's say now that it's proven put this type of technology out into space and then make that expanse really vast we're going to be able to refine details of these gravitational waves to a much smaller resolution and that's going to give scientists and cosmologists and these new gravitational wave astronomers more tools to look into the universe and especially to look into the early stages of the universe forming which is going to be really exciting. I think this event that they observed was one and a half billion light years away. They say it's not triangulated so they don't know exactly where in space this event took place but they say that it would be out somewhere past the Magellanic Cloud if we were to kind of think about it in the sphere of the sky, that's in the Southern hemisphere. Pretty cool stuff.
1: Pretty cool stuff. And
0: say, okay, the coolest thing. So it's kind of obtuse to sort of wrap your head around what it means. What are they observing? What is a gravitational wave? But this ripple from this event that happened one and a half billion years ago, sent a wave in gravity through space time across the universe. And it had adjusted the width of the Milky Way galaxy by the width of your thumb. Oh wow. yeah,
1: that's strange. so. In the
0: room, there's in any kind of human perceptible distance, there's n- there's no change. There's like an atom's width of change for us experiencing it here on Earth. That's why we didn't see any kind of crazy, you know, thing happen. There's no okay. kind of observable event, even with something that's probably one of the strongest events observable for us, you know, out in outer space. These collisions of black holes. Um, but uh, but yeah, that that wave. I think stretched and then shrunk the galaxy by the width of a thumb. So that's like a hundred light years across. Excuse me, a hundred light years. I think it's a hundred thousand light years across the Milky Way galaxy, and that kind of wiggled by an inch.
1: Yeah. With so this you, gravitational wave. You're saying that it it got a space in it that was the width of a thumb, and then it got closer together.
0: You know, it's really strange. It it warped space time, so there was no there's no physical space that changed. but that it's complicated, yeah, that the that the that the fabric between the atoms had flexed outward. imperceivable to us as beings that don't have a capability of perceiving something like that, of the change in our space-time, we're not able to really do that. We perceive, because since we're in it, we perceive time to be pretty constant. But if we were outside of that, we could see that the the fabric of it, the size of it stretched out an inch and then came back together. So if we think of the expanding universe, it's the expansion of space-time that's traveling outward. So the physical distance between between proton and proton in an atom is 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 expanding outward, and the size of those atoms are expanding outward. Oh, it's okay. just it's like space time is expanding. Right. It's it's just sort of all expanding together. But in this situation, just this wave came through. Like we think of a wave on a beach, it rolled through, and like when we were in the waves um, in the ocean a few weeks ago, we you'd kind of be in the wave. It would move through, but then it would go back to the status of the water before right. the wave, right? So the wave similarly came through. It didn't displace anything or move anything permanently, but it just... Just during wave, that time that was going through. Yes, yeah, the- stretched it by some amount and then had it come back together. But that's the amount of distortion that was sent across um, from that gravitational wave. And gravitational waves, the reason that it's important to us is that it was the thing that was one of the last things to be identified, or how would that be? One of the last items... In Einstein's theory of special relativity, that was yet to be, well, yet to be proven. So -hmm. this item of gravitational waves has really just been theoretical up until this point because it had not been, there had been no technology developed to make that an observable phenomena, these gravitational waves. And so it's really this huge feat of engineering that we're even at a place where we can do that now.
1: Yeah. It's uh, really pretty incredible. Is it? Uh, so now that they've officially, I guess, said that that's happened, they're going to be working on telescopes now or newer telescopes that can detect that? Yeah. That there's,
0: so there's two locations right now. And these were all part of a scientific grant to look for a theoretical piece of science that no one believed even existed. Even Einstein, I think, kind of sort of tried to retract this idea. Uh, during his life, okay. that there is that, that there was even the the possibility of observing these gravitational waves. They were able to make this uh, this system to do that. There's it's a gravitational wave observatory. Really interesting stuff. I won't get into exactly how they do it, but it's a laser interferometer, and it uses like a period of an amount of time to bounce a laser beam back and forth. And if a gravitational wave goes through there and stretches space time out, then the wave of light takes longer than the speed of light to go all the way down to the end and then back. And so they're measuring that amount of time, that period, really, really accurately. And then when this happened, the wave came through, it stretched space-time over that distance, and then the wave didn't come back at the right time. That means that there was a measurable gravitational wave that passed through that space-time that stretched that tube of the observatory, and that's what they recorded. They did this in two locations, all part of the same, uh, I don't know, observational, um, well, there's two observatories. They both get recordings, and then they match that data together so that they can do noise cancellation to drop out any of the disturbances that be localized to the Earth. Okay. So if there's an earthquake in one, you could kind of measure that against whatever the other one would pick up, and you could can cancel that signal out.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, it's cool stuff. So now that it's been proven, now that this really experimental thing that cost billions of dollars to get set up for the first time has now been proven it's going to be this huge expansion into the scientific community uh, where they're going to be building out a lot more of these tools to do um to do gravitational wave observations
1: that's really cool
0: it's going to be really exciting yeah i'm really glad that uh that it came through we're going to see a huge expanse in the field of cosmology in our lifetime now that this is something that's out there that people well that that astronomers um, we'll be able to do research on. It's going to be interesting to find out, I guess, what kind of, what kind of new discoveries kind of come from this. Yeah. It'll take some time to vest, but it'll be really cool.
1: Yeah, it'll be really neat to see what new things we're figuring out.
0: Yeah. it be a lot of fun.
1: And so what are the names of the observatories that proved this?
0: Yeah. So like we, I think I mentioned that there are two observatories that were picking this up and they were doing noise cancellation against each other. Um, to to try and refine the signal, which is is part of how the technology works that they're using. And so the the installation is called LIGO. It's the uh, Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory. It's an acronym. And there's two installation sites. Right now, they're both in America. I think they're going to expand soon out from that because there's going to be an advantage if there are, well, at least if there are more than two, because right now with two, they're not able to triangulate the position of a signal that they get. And so once they're able to triangulate things, that question that we had a few minutes ago when we were talking about where this event, this, uh, this black hole collision took place in the universe, we'd be able to better pinpoint uh, that answer if we have three of them because we'll be able to triangulate that signal. So with the two of them, we're only able to tell right now that they're out in the Magellanic Cloud. So the two observatories that exist, um, one of them is in Washington State, and one of them is in Arkansas, uh, right now. School. Okay. I think the best place for them to be would be off the Earth entirely. So same as like the Hubble Telescope. When we started doing optical observations of space above us, we used a telescope here on Earth. But really, ultimately, the best, um, m- highest resolution way that we can make observations of the universe was by putting that telescope outside the gravity well of the Earth. And putting it out into space where there wouldn't be any disturbance from light pollution or atmosphere or vibration and they could put this telescope up make it perfectly still and have it take these really long exposures or long periods of light collecting to get these images or to get this resolution of data so that they can look out so deeply into space really cool how they're able to do that with optical telescopes i think in our lifetime over the next 30 40 years if this seems like a promising field of science we're going to see that expand out into uh, into laser interferometer gravitational wave observatories that are put out into space as uh, as like long satellites or satellites that communicate to each other and send a pulse back and forth or send a laser back and forth to each other and then try and pick up that same period of time as the technology and algorithms for this get a lot better it would be really cool
1: Oh it would be really cool
0: yeah um, yeah, it would be really neat. so I think right now since they have proven that there are gravitational waves. There is now funding made available for a third uh, LIGO installment to, I think, be put into somewhere in the U.S. Probably take another 10 years for that installation to go online, I'd bet. Um, we might see others like this come up from, from other um, educational institutions around the world. Like uh, we might see something from CERN or we might see something from you know, just from some other installation that would want to build right. something like this. Now that it's a provable, scientifically researchable uh, field of cosmology, be really cool. It's going to be one of the most exciting things that happens for uh, for this next century of scientific discovery. I think this is probably one of the groundbreaking things that'll be part of learning about gravity, learning about um, that part of early universal history. Be interesting.
1: Uh, yeah, it'll be really interesting.
0: Yeah. You can check out more information at billynewmanphoto.com. You can go to billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support. If you want to help me out and participate in the value for value model that uh, we're running this podcast with. If uh, you receive some value out of some of the stuff that I was talking about, you're welcome to uh, help me out and send some value my way through the portal at Billy Newman forward slash support. You can also find more information there about uh, Patreon and the way that I use it. If you're interested or, or feel more comfortable using Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash Billy Newman photo. A couple updates of some of the stuff that I've been uh, putting together. You know, I got a get, so. I got a get, so tripod, it's kind of cool. Um, I don't know if you guys know about that. There's there's a couple of different tripod manufacturers. Seems to be the popular ones in the United States amongst the pro photography crowd. But I'm sure there's lots of other stuff out there. And I know, you know, it, 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 uh, uh, it gets hyped. It gets hyped too much. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff with three legs that works great for tripods. But I was on Craigslist. I was looking around. I was perusing. I found this super good deal on this vintage Gitzel. It was this one built in France. I think since then they, uh, they, they moved to Italy. I think now they're an Italian brand. Like it will say made in Italy. These older ones, it says made in France. I think it's like Gitzhopper. Maybe it was a German guy. That's what it sounds like, Gitzhaber. But, uh, yeah, I guess it turned into Gitzo as uh, the tripod name when they started, uh, started doing that. But I got this weekend performance tripod. It's this kind of silly, small travel tripod. I think it's about 18 inches tall or so. And it's got these, uh, these steel legs. It's got an extendable set of aluminum tubes that run out. And it gets real flimsy, like when you get it above waist height. As a tripod. So it seems like it'll be kind of an interesting sort of backup uh, travel tripod. But it's real sturdy, or you know, it's real set. It's a get so. It's a good tripod. It's well manufactured, even though it's you know 35 years old now. I think it was probably made in the early 80s. Uh, and I bought it from this uh, this old hobbyist photographer guy out here in Oregon. I got it for a steal. I was thinking that uh, primarily that's a big reason to pick it up is if I buy it for the price it's listed at, I could list it now and get more than that much money. I could flip it and get a, you know a good return on the investment that I put into it, and I could hang out, mess with the tripod for a week or two, put it up online, have that thing sell, and I can make more cash off of it than what I paid for it. You know, the cool thing also is I got this, uh, you know, the set of Gizzo legs. Those are nice, but with it and kind of the the secret prize that might almost be worth more than that is I got this uh, this Leets, lights Leica. It's that kind of side Leica name and brand. You know, there, there's the Leica cameras, but I guess a lot of their gear, maybe even some of their other stuff, it was kind of sort of bought or half bought or bought out it was or there's two guys there's like the leica guy and then there was this leitz guy this L L E I T Z guy and they both kind of own like so there's sort of these these kind of confused names around some of the stuff but it's this uh this leitz ball head this tripod ball head and it's really nice it's kind of this uh this brushed aluminum finish on it and it's got the ball head on the top with this wing nut that swings closed to lock uh to lock your tripod wherever you put it but it looks like a really tight nice little um little tripod setup especially great for a traveler or someone that was shooting with uh, a light film setup it would be awesome so i know it's a little bit of the away from the direction that i've been moving with some of the photography equipment i've been procuring recently uh, but it feels kind of good it's cool having a vintage Gitzo tripod around and it feels good, too, that I could sell it or I could make some bucks back from it if I needed to. Um, but it's kind of fun having that second tripod around. I've been trying to think of more more long exposure, more f- fine art, landscape stuff. and um, You know, like, I think I may- maybe mentioned a minute ago, in the U.S., there's, like, there's two big tripod brands. There's, there's Manfrotto, which is what I bought the last few times around. Right now, I have a, a, a set of carbon fiber, what is it, like the mag fiber set of legs for my, Man, my Manfrotto tripod and those are great those are like the best tripod legs they're outstanding and then I've got this photo head that goes on top of it which is acceptable but it's it's got that three-way locking head I think I really want to get something a little simpler more like a ball head or something that's just a little bit more flexible for some of my needs but really it's just this quick release plate system that's on top of the Manfrotto and it just really doesn't seem to work for me all that much I guess it does enough. It works as much as I use it, probably more than that. Maybe I can just throw that Leica ball head on there. <laughs> Doesn't seem to match up super well, uh, but if I uh, if I get a chance to, I guess why not? So it's kind of cool to mess around with that. I was I don't know. I've been a fan of like the the Getzo tripod brand stuff for a long time, and I think it's kind of kind of cool to mess around with that. But the way that they're built, it's just super sturdy. It's cool. Thanks a lot for checking out this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Hope you guys check out some stuff on BillyNewmanPhoto.com. A few new things up there, some stuff on the homepage, some good links to other other outbound sources, some, some links to books, some links to some podcasts, links to some blog posts. All pretty cool. But yeah, check it out at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the podcast. Talk to you next time.